Yay! Hey, 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 how are you? There he is. What's going on? Good looking. Mr. John uh, Lipsey. I like your shirt. That's very clever. Kathy Twells at Coca-Cola would make get a laugh out of that. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's funny. I have a history of being sued by those companies. And um, back in the uh, rave days, in the electronic music days, we <clears throat> I did a uh, Tide shirt, but it said ecstasy on it. And we got sued by, I think it was Procter Gamble or one of those companies. Oh. And I published their cease and desist letter. And I put those on a t-shirt and I sent it out everywhere. And we got so much press. And we, we'd only printed up like a couple hundred shirts. So it was like no big deal, but. Um, Collector's item. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see it. So cool, man. Um, all right. So let me, uh, we are recording here locally. I got you here. Let me just adjust my lights here. And um, so. We are doing a new um, a new show here that we're really going to be promoting uh, quite a bit called Business Story of the Week. Yes, um, is what it is, and um, it's kind of taking the place of Hack and Grow Rich. We got Hack and Grow Rich up to about sixty five thousand active, Great. and YouTube algorithm does not like the word hack. Um, so okay. uh, we we were wondering why. We were having some challenges getting it ranked because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And I talked to somebody over at uh, Google and they were like, yeah, you can, anything with those words in it now mm -hmm. are getting shadow banned. So um, we made a lot of traction, but now we've changed it over to Business Story of the Week. We've got a print magazine um, that you'll be featured on as well. So we're doing interviews with all our clients um, and some other business leaders as well but you will get a feature cover of the magazine. So you'll be featured in business story of the week. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'll let you know when your edition will be coming out. Sure. It'll, it will be in newsstands. So there'll be a feature article wow. inside for you. Um, and if you want to use it for promotion, you can just order it off Amazon and ship it to whoever you want. We don't make any money from it. It's just, oh, you know, so whatever. Yeah. It's like whatever Amazon charges for their print on demand. It's like, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. So right. if you want to send, Hey, I was featured on this like That's cool magazine. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have full rights to copy, print it, do whatever you want with it. So you think it'll be in the next three, six months. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. In the next three to six months. Um, but usually what I tell clients is you tell me, um, cause it's print on demand. So you tell me when you have a launch or you have something mm. great going and we'll coordinate with you so that, Got you know, it. we can release it for when you need, you know, when you, when you have a need for it. For me, June would be great. Okay. So fire off an email to me after this, yeah, and we'll okay. know, like when would be good. Um, Cause it's a lot of work. Like each, oh, ep, each, goodness. each edition has like 40 articles in it. We've got advertisers it's, it's a whole thing and it lives forever online. And there's a PDF of it that you can send to people. Jeez. So That's wonderful. I know I had a lot of fun answering those questions. And then I had Kristen, who's my assistant who edited my book, edit it, you know, for, so hopefully there's minimal work needed from you to have to proof or edit anything. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're also writing the um, we're just about uh, ready to uh, design the uh, podcast cola book, which will be featured, and you got a whole chapter 
nice. in the podcast cola book. And that goes to all of our clients. That's going to, you know, I'll, I'll get that to sell thousands of copies. So I'll send you a copy when it comes out. The only guy that's featured in there, you, uh, you and Caldini, that's it. Wow. I'm impressed. Thank you. Honored. Um, and for Paul Epstein, I'm he's going to be thrilled if he gets to be, have his own version of a magazine down the road as a new client starting in June. So I'm thrilled he finally pulled the trigger on that. I really appreciate that. I really yeah, appreciate no, that. I, you yeah. know, <laughs> I um, underestimated how long it would take someone to pull the trigger and or see the value. So um, just because you're not hearing me going, I pitched you here, I pitched you there, I'm still pitching you. Oh, so, thanks, buddy. But, no, I, 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 I know you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, amazing. Now I'm getting a little bit of echo on your sound. Are you? Is your is your microphone on? It might not be on. Let's see. Well, it says it's on. Okay, there you go. It's a little warmer is that, there. Is that better? If I'm sitting a little closer. Okay. That's a little warmer there. So you sound good. Great. Um, well, let's just get going. So I do yeah. these more short form. Uh, you know, Hack and Grow Rich was long form. So these ones we do more short form. It's usually me or Bart or me and Bart. Today I'm just going to do you. Um, because we're buddies. So, um, and, uh, you know, it'll be fairly succinct. I recommend, I mean, you're, you already know you teach this stuff, but I recommend, you know, having lots of good sound bites as, yeah. as we go. Cause we'll also cut this in clips and we can send you the clips to promote oh, as well. Um, and yeah, and that's it. Usually they go, I, 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 I thought I could do 10 minute interviews. They more end up being close to 15, 30 minutes when nice. they're edited. Yeah. But let's uh, let's rock and roll with it, and um, should be fun. Just we'll have I'm a conversation. Yeah, okay. let's go. So, right, and we're getting ready to start. Five, four, three, two, one. Right. So, welcome to business story of the week. We've got a real treat today. John, live safe. I'm saying it right. John, tell us a little bit about yourself and share your journey on becoming a sales expert and how you delivered your, how you developed your skills over time. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's a thrill to be with you. And I love helping people become a black belt in storytelling. My journey began when I was selling advertising for Condé Nast, which is a big company that has brands like GQ and Wired and Vanity Fair, et cetera. And I realized that whoever told the best story would be the one to get the sale. For example, Lexus would say, you know, we looked at 15 different publications. We've narrowed it down to five. We're going to pick three. So five of you get to come in back to back for 30 minutes and pitch us why we should pick you, but do not talk about numbers. And half the reps were deer in headlights. And I have an advertising background, so I knew how to tell a story. And I thought, oh, that's really, if you tell a story of the marketing idea that's going to compel this campaign and make it resonate in a unique way and stand out from the clutter, that's what's going to convince them to advertise with you. And then now I have a career as a sales keynote speaker and Anthem Insurance um, was interviewing me versus two other speakers. So what's interesting is my background selling advertising against competitors has totally helped me sell myself as a speaker against other speakers when you're in the final three. And now that's my niche is helping companies when they get down to the final three, whether it's an architecture firm, a law firm, a tech company, you name it. And Anthem Insurance said to me, oh, I love your concept of storytelling. These people don't even like to think of themselves as salespeople. I said, well, let's ask them to think of themselves as storytellers. And they go, oh, they love that. 
And then I asked this really important question for the takeaway for everybody. When you are being interviewed to sell yourself, zoom out a little bit and don't just focus on your part. I said, what else is going to happen if I'm selected as your keynote speaker throughout the two days? And they said, oh, we're going to have an improvisation session. And they'll be shouting out objections from the audience and role-playing on stage. And I said, what if, which always pulls people in to start imagining something. And I said, I stayed after my talk and would whisper in people's ear something from my talk if they got stuck during the objection answering. They loved that idea. I got selected and I told this story to Inc. Magazine and they said, oh, you're the pitch whisperer. And I thought, oh, I love that. And uh, I've trademarked that now. And if somebody Googles the pitch whisper, my content shows up. So figuring out what's your unique niche and having a story to back it up is part of my journey of becoming a successful sales keynote speaker. Incredible. Okay. So you're working with clients and part of working with clients is, you know, what they think is interesting, of <laughs> course, isn't what the rest of the world thinks is interesting. And we deal with this a lot over at Podcast Cola, which I know you're one of our superstar clients and mentors there as well. We have you up on our training programs. But when people come on board to Podcast Cola, they're like, man, I've got, you know, I'm so interesting because of this. And we're like, no, that's not why you're interesting. You're interesting because of this other thing. How do you help your clients craft a, a compelling and effective pitch that really resonates with their audience? Well, first of all, I tug people, you know, the concept of a case study, it's been around forever. Even the word study sounds boring, like homework. So we turn a case study into a case story. And a case story is clear, concise, and compelling, the three C's. And when you practice that story in front of your peers and your family, ask them, was this clear or did I confuse you? Because if you confuse people, they say no. Was it concise enough that you could remember and repeat it? And finally, is it compelling? Is there any tugging of the heartstrings here? We have to feel something and care about what happens in the story in order for us to remember it. So once you have that as a criteria of that's what makes a good story, then the real secret sauce is tell a story that someone sees themselves in. Mm. So I can give you a quick example Olympus Medical came to me and said, you know, we have this product that makes the surgeries go 30% faster, but we're not selling a lot. We would think that would so logical. Why? And I go, because people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. So now we crafted this short little case story that sounds like this. Imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was down at Long Beach Memorial. We could go out to the patient's family an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever waited for somebody you love to come out of surgery, you know, every minute feels like an hour. He comes out, he goes, good news. The scope shows they don't have cancer. They're going to be fine. And then turned to the salesperson and said, you know, this is why I became a doctor from moments like this. Now that rep tells that story to another doctor at another hospital who sees himself in the story and nine times out of 10 will say, that's why I became a doctor. I want your equipment too. I so boom, that. that Olympus said, oh, that gives us chills. Not only are we not telling a story, it never occurred to us to make a patient's family, a character in the story. And it all takes you from being pushy, pushing out numbers, 30% faster, to telling a story that they see themselves in. That's so interesting. And I tell people this all the time. And that's that the most powerful way to sell anything is to stop selling. 
<laughs> tell a story, share a story. Cause with a story, you're going to touch someone's heart. Yes. If you're coming to them, trying to pitch them and, and I'll give you a, a great example. And this, this might really resonate with you. So, okay. Ottoman empire takes over, right? Yeah. You, you had Rome, Rome <laughs> split. Byzantine Empire lasted until 1453, right? Fall of fall of fall of the uh, Byzantine Empire. Most people don't know Constantinople being the the capital of it. And these people were all great traders. And so when you go to the uh, bazaar, which Constantinople became uh, Istanbul, right? You see some of the remnants of these great trading cultures, these great salesmen, right? And they didn't have the internet. They didn't have any of that <laughs> stuff. All they had was that one thing, story. Yes. That's why podcasts are so impactful and so effective. And, and you and I talked about this previously. It's like, that's why business leaders, people from all over the world are shifting now to podcasts because you get to tell your story for an hour or more and somebody gets to know you through the power of story. And for anybody who hasn't experienced this, and I know you travel the world all the time, when you go into one of these countries, particularly Istanbul, and you go into that bazaar, right? Mm. We think we know what a salesman is because we walk on car lots <laughs> and 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 all that kind of stuff, and we think, oh yeah, that's you know salesy or whatever. When you walk into one of those little stalls in the Grand Bazaar yes. in Istanbul, and and it's the DNA of the mm-hmm. greatest salesman who mm. ever lived, mm-hmm. and that man is in there, and he is five millionth generation salesman. And he starts telling you the stories that he's telling you to sell you whatever it is. It's not like he's influencing you. It's like you've been pulled into a (laughs) vortex and you are not only leaving with whatever it is he is selling you, you are leaving with that experience. And a story to tell your friends of why you bought it. Plato said storytellers rule the world. And it's just as true then as it is today. Except, you know, Plato didn't have to compete with the distractions of the internet. So it totally ties into your story there of, and, and really expensive art always has what they call a Provence mm. around the painting. Oh, and right. same thing when you buy a celebrity house, it has more value. You know, Betty Davis lived here or Brad Pitt lived here or whatever it is. Again, it's the story that adds value and makes it more desirable. Amazing. Okay. so. What role does storytelling play in pitching? And, and how can business owners, CEOs, people that are in the sales industry use it to their advantage? Well, I think the first part is your own story of origin. You know, traditionally, salespeople will try to develop rapport with cliche things like, oh, nice weather we're having, or let's talk about a sports team, right? Or try to come up with something in common. But instead, if you start to say, you know, the reason I got into healthcare was my mom was a nurse and I was so inspired by what she did. What made you become a doctor? Boom. Now they're sharing their story of origin, your story of origin. You're connecting on a personal level. So that's the first way storytelling helps in the sales process is rapport building. The second part is the company story. And this is what most people forget. They don't tell, if they do, they go, oh, we have this many offices around the world. You want to hear our mission statement? You know, I tell people, you need to have a story about your values and action. Like mm-hmm. Top Shoes, we know that company. You buy a pair, they donate a pair. Yeah. Well, there's an amazing story of family that he impacted. So you don't just leave it at that. You go into the details of 
how one mom with three little boys used to have to share a pair of an adult men's shoe that didn't fit and they would shuffle to school every third day. Now they all have their own shoes that fit and they run to school, completely changed their life. Mm. And told that story to a Nordstrom buyer, they went from a no, we don't think we want to carry the shoes to a yes, because at first he just told about the shoes and not the story. So the, the, your story of origin, the company story, and then we touched on them all important case story instead of a case study. Those three stories in your toolbox will totally make you revenue rock stars. Incredible, incredible. Okay, so on that note, I've got a few more for you. So this one, let's shift gears a little bit. And as far as rejection goes, as a uh -huh. salesman, <laughs> handling rejection and how you handle rejections in sales is, is one of the most challenging things, right? It's what the fear that most especially starting salespeople have that prevents them from reaching mm -hmm. the heights of success in their niche or industry or whatever. What advice would you give to salespeople about rejection? I personally love this topic so much because as you said, it prevents people from getting into sales or staying in sales. So if we can help them with this, it'll help them in their career and their personal life. I have something I created called the 555 method where you think of yourself like a movie director and you zoom out and you ask yourself when you get the no, will this matter in five minutes? How about five hours? How about five days from now? The more resilient we become, the better we are. And when I was speaking to a luxury car company um, sales team, I said, even if you're selling a Jaguar or a Land Rover, you still get rejected. So at a fancy restaurant, they give you sorbet to cleanse your palate between so we need to cleanse our palate as salespeople or storytellers after we get the no. Mm -hmm. And so I have people call a client they sold something to. Not selling them anything, just checking in. How are you enjoying the Land Rover? How are you enjoying the Jaguar? Remind yourself of what a happy customer sounds like. So the next person who walks into the dealership or the next email or the next call you get, you're in that mindset and not the negative, I just got rejected mindset. So you five, five, five it. And companies are taking this and making it part of their culture. Oh my God, mm. we've been so hard on this. All right, everybody, we're going to complain about it for five hours and then we're going to five, five, five it and let it go. Not, we don't want to talk about this. I don't want anybody complaining about or hearing about that five days from now. And it also works in your personal life. So when my dad passed away 10 years ago, I wish I had this tool because five days, I was still pretty devastated. So mm. I could go back to my younger self and say, you know, let's five, five, five it again. Five weeks, five months, five years from now, You'll still miss them, but I promise you, you won't be this sad. Mm. So the like 555 that. really helps us become more resilient. Yeah, that's super cool. It's kind of like what we talk about in neuro-linguistic programming about mm. future pacing. Yes. Where, where you ask someone to do something in the future and see them their future self doing it. I love that. That's powerful. All right. So, so speaking of the future, <laughs> can you talk a little bit? I know you are a thought leader in the sales space and the sales training space, you're highly sought after. I know all kinds of Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies are, are looking to get you. I don't even know if you have any availability these days. Mm -hmm. I've heard you're so booked. But tell us a little bit about what you see in the future of sales. What do you think, uh, how do you think sales will evolve over the next few years? Well, what's interesting for me is not only are companies bringing me in to help them win new business, but they're looking at storytelling as a sales tool to recruit top talent mm. because we HR is now seen as a sales function Crazy, because there's a shortage of 
qualified people in all levels. It's not just the restaurant workers, it's skilled tech people, again, architect, lawyers, you name it, any profession. So the people who might be great at selling a house have no training on how to recruit someone from a competitor to come work at their company. Mm. And so that's really where I see sales and storytelling growing, that it's not just get us a new client, it's get us the top talent and get tell them a story that's going to make us grow faster, as we know the importance of a team, but realizing that you need to have a lot of different skills in your toolbox to be a leader and that the best leaders are the storytellers, the ones that can tell a story to the team. This is my vision. Do you see yourself in this vision? Is this the right culture fit for you? So I think more and more uh, it's going to become less about selling and more about storytelling and thinking of your brain like a jukebox or a playlist, depending on your age. Um, And so the right song at the right time, the right story at the right time. You're going to need multiple stories so that each person you're talking to, let's say you're selling a home, you're not going to talk to a young married couple the same way you would a retired couple who's downsizing or a couple that's moving to a new city. So you need, let's say you have four to five different kinds of buyers. Mm. You need a story that's customized for each one of those situations. So again, so they see themselves in the story. Wow. Powerful. I love that. So, okay. Um, that's amazing. So my, my last question for you along these lines, and then I want to, uh, learn more about how people find you and how people can engage with you. But my final question in this line is as far as podcasting go, you know, we're podcast Cola. We're the largest podcast booking agency in the country. We get people just like you booked on lots of great shows. And how would you say that storytelling, or you can give, you know, two, three good pointers to people uh, who are looking to improve their revenue, improve their sales, become sales rock stars, become uh, better speakers, authors, whatever. Mm-hmm. By do being featured guests on podcasts, mm-hmm. how can they use storytelling and your systems to empower themselves in that way? Well, for myself, I've known that I have gotten booked as a speaker from someone hearing me on a podcast you booked me on. Because I always ask clients, how did you find me? Was it SEO? Did, it, uh, did you watch a TED talk I gave? Did you read my book? Or no, we heard you on a podcast. And the story you told on the podcast made us, they saw themselves in one of the stories, whether it was the Olympus story I just shared with you or another story of how I helped an architecture firm win a billion dollar airport renovation. Wow. Make your stories so compelling that people remember it because the secret to all of this is the meeting after the meeting. So let's see so somebody hears three speakers pitch themselves or three, they listen to many people on the same podcast. So how do you stand out? If you've told the story that's clear, concise, and compelling that they can repeat, oh my God, I just heard John on this podcast. I really think we should bring him in. Why? What did he say on the show? And they can repeat a story I told. We see ourselves in that story. We have the same challenge. We don't want to be seen as commodity. We're tired of coming in second place when we pitch against competitors. We need to become more resilient. Whatever their pain point is that I've addressed in my interview, that people can say, ah, I see myself. That's the person for us. Wow. So put yourself create a story that they can see themselves in. 
Correct. And that comes from knowing who your audience is. You know, don't try to be all things to all people. When you go on a show, this is my niche. Here's who I help. Here's what problem I solve. And more importantly, what is life like for them after they bought my product or hired me as a speaker? They're no longer feeling pushy. They're no longer coming in second place. Whatever the outcomes are, that's the aha moment. I love that. I always say that to my Amazon students in particular is the mm. niches are in the niches. Mm-hmm. Don't don't try to be a jack of all trades. It doesn't serve you. Find one thing that you're good at, or better yet, find that blue ocean. Find mm-hmm. that find that one area where there's nobody else in there. Create or create that area that yeah. niche, and then go dominate it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like we could do that with these stories. All right, John. So as we close up. Can you tell us when people are listening to this, they're getting excited. They're like, how do we engage with you? How do we find you? Do you have a book? Uh, yeah. can, we, can we hire you to come speak at our company? How, how do we engage the pitch whisperer? Well, the easiest way is take out your phone and text the word pitch, P-I-T-C-H to 66866. And you get the first chapter of my book, The Sale is in the Tail for free, which is a business fable. And... If you can't remember my name or the name of my book, just Google the Pitch Whisperer and my website, johnlivesay.com comes up and all the ways to see what my talks are about and the outcomes that clients have afterwards are all right there. 66866. And what do we, what do we text to that? The word pitch, P-I-T-C-H. Can't miss that. And that's also, I tell people this too, is like, it's all about friction, reduce friction. Look at what you're doing now. This is guys, this is what a master salesman is. He reduces all the friction all along the way. That's what Amazon is. That's what Bezos did. He just got rid of the friction of buying stuff online, right? He yeah. trust. And that's, that's what this is. And, and we're witnessing it directly. All right. So people can get, get you there. You said, is there a website? Let's say there is uh, mm-hmm. somebody watching this and they have, 5,000 locations. They want all their salespeople to uh, by you. How, how do they engage you? Or do you do that? Do you have any time on calendar these, these, uh, these next few, uh, few months for, for sales training? I do have sales training. Oftentimes people will have me give a keynote and a workshop. And then if they want to continue, there's some ongoing training with that um, where I had one client create a repository map of all of the case stories living in one place that reps could share each other's stories with that. So they have the right story to tell. And it also became an amazing onboarding tool for new people. So there's lots of ways, but usually it starts with a keynote and a a workshop with it possibly. And then from there, if they want more, there's certainly lots of ways to, I have one architecture firm that's worked with me since 2016. And every time they have a big interview coming up, they bring me in to coach them. They call me their secret weapon. Wow. You are the secret weapon. weapon. And if you like it or not, you're selling. Might as well get good at it. Might as well get good at becoming a storyteller and and enjoy that. Wow. So this was powerful. I have to say one of my most exciting interviews. It's always great to see you. Thank you. And we're super psyched to have you as a featured guest here and a podcast called client as well. And We'll make sure to have everyone look out for you. We'll include links to get a hold of John in the show notes. So just look in the notes below and make sure to like and subscribe and let John know uh, what you thought about what he said. If you agreed, if you disagreed, leave it in the comments and we'll see you guys soon. John, thank you so much. It's been an honor having you on. Thanks for having me.